the Women of Color STEM Conference and Ford Motor Company presents Lunch and Learn, a professional development seminar featuring Dr. Dominique Perry, Claudia Arana Sanchez, Dr. Nia Harrison, Joseph Bettaholm, and Lucretia Williams. Join panelists from Ford Motor Company as they share a day in the life of a Ford engineer. Without further ado, the Women of Color STEM Conference and Ford Motor Company presents Lunch and Learn, a professional development seminar featuring Dr. Dominique Perry, Claudia Arana Sanchez, Dr. Nia Harrison, Joseph Bettaholm, and Lucretia Williams. Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today for the Ford Lunch and Learn, where we're gonna discover the life of an engineer at Ford. Um, we have a couple of engineers, or a few engineers on our panel today that will be talking to you and be able to answer any questions that you might have about engineering, um, what does it mean at Ford, um, how do you get involved, those sorts of things. Um, we're gonna run a video. Uh, right now we're working through the kinks of that, but uh, we want to hear what your thoughts are as it pertains to um, emerging technologies, things that engineers are working on, um, and again, just what it means at Ford Motor Company. Um, I didn't introduce myself. I'm Dr. Dominique Perry. I'm a part of the Human Resources Department at Ford Motor Company. I've been there just over five years, and um, I'm really excited to see all the faces here today and, um, and to discuss technology and engineering with you all. Just give us a couple more minutes as we get this video started. And I hope that you enjoy your lunch and enjoy this segment of the conference. Okay, so wait, while we're waiting for the video to get uploaded, we're gonna go ahead and introduce two of the engineers on the panel now um, so they can share a little bit about themselves and their experience at Ford um, as we try to get this going, so. All right, well, my, my name is Claudia Arana Sanchez and I've been with the company for 15 years. I actually started my career as an environmental engineer, so I graduated as a mechanical engineer and I was given the opportunity to come into Ford as a mechanical engineer and working in sustainability. And um, I then moved into compliance, so I was responsible for Mexico and South America compliance, so all the different facilities. Um, I got to travel to different um, parts of the world, just you know, um, making sure our facilities were in compliance. And a year and a half ago, I was given the opportunity to come into human resources and do diversity and inclusion. So I've been doing that for the last year and a half, and um, I'm looking forward to what's to come for me and my career at Ford. Hello, my name is Dr. Nia Harrison. I've been at Ford 15 years. I started at Ford as an intern and joined um, the Ford company in 2005 uh, in the research and advanced um, manufacturing organization. So um, most of my career has been in research where I've done lightweight material development. So uh, aluminum technology as it relates to stamping, uh, process development, material characterization, and modeling. Uh, just recently I've changed roles where I've uh, done some uh, an experience in program management. So launching of a new vehicle program and currently in an advanced manufacturing strategy role. So looking at um, how we manufacture in the future to come. All right, good morning everyone. Is it afternoon yet? It's afternoon. How's yes. it going? Uh, my, name is, uh, my name is Joseph Pettaholm. I am a core closure system engineer at Ford Motor Company. Um, I started at Ford about five years ago, literally next week. So my five year anniversary is next week at Ford Motor Company. I'm from Florida A&M University, uh, graduated with a, a bachelor's degree in mechanical engineering. Um, and my experience here has been pretty cool. It, we're going to see in the video exactly what I do, but um, in layman's terms, I crash cars. I get to actually analyze exactly just how safe our vehicles are and, and how we're innovating new technology to drive the mobility um, worldwide. So we're going to start the video in a moment, and then we'll queue up Q&A once we're done. Thank you. So thank you all for bearing with us this morning. Um, as you would have it, technology failed a little bit, but we got it back up and going. So we're gonna go ahead and, and cue the video, um, and then we'll have the panel discussion shortly after. Thank you. How about 
everywhere. It's the process of creating something new and doing something innovative that's literally never been done before. I think I've always liked to solve problems. Engineering is everywhere you look, from the phones that you have in your pocket, the fitness trackers you have on your wrist. You literally interact with engineering hundreds of times a day. If we just think about engineering historically, like what has come about? What has engineering changed in society? way back to way back when, when the steam engine first came about, that ushered in the industrial relation. Literally, just by this one engineer saying, hey, you know what? I don't want to use a rowboat when I'm crossing this river. Engineering is everywhere. It's in everything that we do, even when you don't realize it. I think it's how you use your imagination to create new and innovative ways or items for people to use every day. It's really great to get the foundation and then use that to apply it to something that really interests you and motivates you. And that's kind of really how we got to where we are. There's always someone who learned the foundation and then took it to another level. Kind of learn and understand and then from there it's really up to the imagination on how that plays out. Florida, which is just 90 minutes south of Kennedy Space Center. So I grew up watching the space shuttle go into space. And uh, I told my mom when I was a kid, third or fourth grade, that uh, I was going to work at NASA. I didn't care if I was going to be a janitor, but I was going to work there. And she said to me as a third grader, well, why not be the engineer? So I was like, oh. And here I am today, an engineer. In this building is the Autonomous Vehicle Division of Ford Motor Company. This space, we focus on how to get people from point A to point B without a driver in the car. Technical expert is someone who has demonstrated a high level of understanding of technical problems in a particular specialty area. I get to crash our vehicle, and then once the vehicle crash, I get to reverse CSI. If a car is coming 50 miles an hour and it T-bones our vehicle, is that door going to open? I get to take all the components away, strip away all the mangled metal, cut out our door handles and say, okay, how did this door handle perform in this accident? I've been lucky in that I've really enjoyed everything I've done along the way. At the current moment in time in, in engineering, I've been able to secure six patents. A lot of them have to deal with various levels of aluminum technology development. I have about 12 patents throughout the U.S. and Europe. In the car, you have a navigation experience. You carry your Bluetooth phone uh, to your car. You, you access your music through your phone, through your car. And so my patents are really around that experience. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of hard work, but it's pretty awesome to be able to see the results. I am a problem teller. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, am, am I technical? Absolutely, right? But I think there's a stigma associated with geeks, and uh, I don't consider it a fall into that stigma. The reality of my job is innovation has to be second nature. Nothing in, in my role is, is static. The, the environment is always changing what problems that we don't foresee as problems today that may creep into our subconscious and become a problem tomorrow. Innovation has to be at the core of that. When Bluetooth first came out in the late 90s, I remember, you know, kind of running to a few of my friends, like, there's this new thing out called Bluetooth. 
and they all looked at me like I was crazy, like, like, what is that? About 12 years later, I became the global Bluetooth lead at Ford, and my friends joked with me about remembering that time that I, that came up to them talking about this new thing called Bluetooth. So yeah, I could, I could get it. I could get why, why people consider, you know, that kind of, kind of geeky. So I get to crash vehicles, um, which is fun, because it's destructive. The other part of it is, now I get to put it back together. What's the story? In some respects, engineering can be a little bit of a psychology, understanding um, human behavior and how they interact with the world, and then working with that to see how you can make lives easier, how you can make lives better. And so from there, it is a bit of the psychology. And there's always a, a cohort or a subset of people who that is the most fascinating thing to them. So. Engineering is wrapped in critical thinking and problem solving, so there's no room to play. But the lifestyle engineering affords, now that's another ballgame. I've been able to start uh, my own business, so I have a side hustle as well with respect to um, owning property in the city of Detroit. So I have a small apartment building in a pretty up-and-coming area within the city and some houses. As an African-American owning property in the city of Detroit, especially around uh, being a landlord in the city of Detroit, it's a, it provides me with a unique view with respect to, one, ensuring that we're involved in the conversation as it relates to uh, property ownership, as well as uh, making sure that it's still affordable for people to be able to stay in these up-and-coming neighborhoods. Sometimes, you know, we can afford to do these things by having the jobs that we have in engineering. Yeah. It affords us a great lifestyle. We work yes. so hard. We work so hard. And we need to play harder. It's just important <laughs> that you take time for yourself because the work will always be there. We, of course, have our ups and downs. Sometimes we're really, really busy. Sometimes not so much. But to be able to take that time away and have it for yourself is, like, very, very important. It's just been, it's provided a life that I actually really love. Yeah. I, I like to tell those that I mentor that you grind now and shine later. So the sacrifices that you're making, making sure you get through the homework, make sure you get your work done. In the end, it's going to afford you a life where you can enjoy the various different trips and you know, get to enjoy brunch with your friends, you know? One of the, my favorite places to travel was Costa Rica. It's probably one of my favorite places to be. I've been to China and Japan, Europe, Germany, France. I've been to lots of places. All right, so um, I want to thank you guys so much for coming out once again. It's like our fourth time doing this. Uh, just to come together, give back, do what we do best. We all are career professionals excelling in our jobs. We all understand that community is a part of us going forward, and everything that we do must pay back into our community. And that's why we do this every quarter or every other quarter. I'm deeply grateful for having all of you guys in my life, for helping me get to where I need to be, and uh, helping our community go where it needs to go. So with that, thank you. fortunate enough to be in a position where I can help folks um, and let them feel um, valued, that people care for them, um, people understand their situation, um, and just give a little bit back to them. So I'm not doing it for show. I've been doing it for all this time, and it's I just feel good doing it. I feel good knowing that at the end of the day, I'm helping someone. I'm not getting anything out of it. It's not a tax write-off. I can't file it for a, a nonprofit. It's something that I'm doing genuinely out, out of out of my heart to help other people. And um, it'll be paid for some way, somehow, but uh, I'm not looking for the, for the quid pro quo of it. I'm just looking to help some people. Engineers make things happen through innovation, creativity, curiosity, and drive. And from that drive 
engineers impact the world like no other occupation because they don't sit back and watch the world go by. They make it better. engineering we've been in it a while and it's still a field that is underrepresented and so what we really want them to know and understand and and really would like more young people to understand that this is feasible yeah, this is attainable yeah, yeah. Uh, this is something that you can do and it's it's not you know out of reach. I mean, we are pretty all pretty smart people and yeah, they yeah. will be too. Indeed. The thing is, you just got to learn what you don't know. In my, in my community, uh, I can say that the primary cast for a successful life is either in sports, entertainment, or public service. Uh, nothing against those. I think those are all great things that people who have the talents to do those things should definitely pursue those things, but everyone doesn't have those talents and capabilities. We, as a community, won't really get too far if we don't think about who has to come after us. I would say that the industry itself is getting a more uh, welcoming and understanding and, and more inclusive. Technology side of the development of the 2015 F-150, the joining, was all done by women from a technical lead. The metal forming and the metal heat treatment, because that was the group I was in, where two out of the four people in the group were women. And so these are like the little nuances that people don't, don't always appreciate, that how many, um, how many women are actually contributing to the products that we're delivering. From a diversity perspective, as we talked about being in Detroit, it's a predominantly African-American city, and so my experience in, throughout school was predominantly with other African-Americans. When I transitioned to college, that wasn't the case. In many cases, I may have been the only African-American. And in some cases at work, leveraging engineering in that experience, what I've been able to do is focus on the data and focus on my knowledge of my craft. And the ideas that I present, I ensure that they're presented in a way that aligns with the data. And so it doesn't matter that I'm the only African-American in the room. One of the nice parts about engineering is that uh, if you are technically sound, uh, it's very hard to argue with that. What other place can you design exotic metals, crash whips to make them indestructible, and create technology that will guide the future of automotive? What other field do you have the opportunity to shape and change the world as we know it right now? The fun stuff about my job, I get to see how are we making these vehicles stronger? How are we making them safer? Find out, okay, how do we make this even better? A lot of what I do is stamping dies, stamping presses. I love to get in and, you know, I work with die makers and we learn how, you know, material forms. And yeah. it's not my job to run the press, but I know how to run the press. You know, I get to do that as well as take the data, crunch it out. Who's going to do that? Like, the, the researchers that are here at Ford, the, the scientists, the engineers, the actuarial scientists that understand the mathematical calculations to get there, like, this is what does it. With so many options at Ford, the potential to explore is endless. Through your ideas, imagination, and thinking, you can and will impact the world by solving complex issues that will make our lives simpler, safer, and better for the future. Awesome video. That was amazing. Yeah.
As we mentioned before, we're privileged to have two of the folks that were featured in the video on the panel with us today. Um, but we also have someone who just recently added. Do you want to introduce yourself? Hi, everyone. Can everyone hear me? Hi, my name is Lucretia Williams. I, too, uh, am an engineer. Uh, I started off maybe about 20 years ago in the field of mechanical engineering. And um, I am now doing uh, business strategy and planning for Ford Motor Company. So if that's an ideal of where your STEM can take you, here we are. All right, so actually we want to make this session about you. We really want to hear what your questions are, what are your concerns. Um, we want to hear you know, what, any questions that you might have for the panel as it pertains to being an engineer, um, the community life, uh, what it is in terms of diversity and inclusion. We want to hear your questions. Uh, so I'll start off by asking the panel a question. And if you have one, you can step up to this microphone right here and, uh, and just pose a question to the panel, and we'll be sure to address it. So my first question is, in the video, uh, we talked about diversity. And when we think about diversity, it could be from your race um, to your background where you went to college to your thoughts um, to where you're from within the United States or outside the United States, whatever. It, it ranges across a bunch of things. How has diversity played a big role in, uh, in your everyday work life? Uh, actually, diversity has played um, a major role, uh, indispensable role in what I do for Ford Motor Company. So in my area, we plan and strategize for all the new products and services that the company offers. We decide who we might want to partner with, do business development with. Uh, but because we're a company that provides products and services to all races, creeds, nationalities, and everything, it is crucial uh, for us to respect, understand, immerse ourselves in multiple diversities. Um, so without diversity, I don't know that I would have a job. <laughs> I don't know that we would even be in business without diversity. So we absolutely 100% respect it, love it, need it. <laughs> And, um, and that's what helps us to become um, a top Fortune um, 50 company. Yeah, I, I didn't want to go first because I'm biased. I'm actually the diversity inclusion manager for the company. So uh, <laughs> an engineer doing diversity work. So um, diversity is, is, is imperative uh, for business. If you think about it, the more uh, backgrounds that we have in the table, the more innovative that we will be. Because if we're trying to design vehicles, in this case, right, for uh, the different markets, we need to be we, we need to have representation from those markets like in the table. So in diversity is not just about having you know, diversity throughout the company, but it needs to go all the way down to all the different groups, right? So um, saying that we have diversity at the company and having all women in HR may not be what we think about diversity. Diversity really is having representation in every group so that when you walked in, you're not the only one, right? You're not the only African-American, you're not the only women, um, you're not the only Hispanic within. So um, it's, it's imperative for the business and it's something that we continue to um, bring um, you know, to our senior management and making sure that as we bring in new hires into the company that we have representation from every uh, corner in the world and um, to different, like you said, right, different uh, um, backgrounds and way of thinking. So I guess I'm still working a lot with all of the technical teams and right now I'm working in advanced manufacturing strategy. So without giving away everything, I'll use the example of maybe autonomous vehicles. If you're gonna build that, manufacture it, how do you build the vehicle and what that looks like in a plant scenario? One of the things that I do is I bring everyone together to kind of brainstorm on what it is that we need from the various areas in order to deliver that. And that diversity of thought is really important to making sure you're covering all of your bases when you're planning for what the future might look like. So you might think, you know, yes, of course, I'll need my people who understand connectivity or my electrical engineers and maybe some mechanical engineers, but do you think about things like sustainability when you're building it? And so I'll bring in the sustainability group and think, what are we doing from a social responsibility level when we build new products and, and, and what, how does that impact that organization? Or 
our labor affairs, you know, if they're autonomous and moving, how does that impact the, the workforce? So really getting that diversity of thought. So it's, as Claudia said, it's not just about race per se, but it's also about diversity of thought. And that comes from the, the, your background as an engineer, that comes from the organization in which you work from, and everybody brings a perspective. And the best executed plans are those that account for everyone's um, interests. And to, to add to literally what everyone said a moment ago, because I, I, I work in um, product design and development and, and crash safety in, in many regards. And, and to talk about our autonomous vehicle program, when we think about um, diversity um, and, and schools of thought and, and how different people kind of come to the same table to bring different perspectives, um, when we, autonomous vehicles, it's, it's, a, it's a computer essentially. Our, our vehicles are run by a computer. But we as a people, we code and we program these, these, these systems. And what, when we implement code, um, we have unconscious bias. So things that we may not think is a situation or, or, or perspective, what we program this machine learning, um, it, it learns how we input it. So if our perspective isn't biased, isn't diverse enough, um, we've seen studies where uh, autonomous vehicles, they don't pick up on people of color um, when it comes to a crash safety incident. If we don't have people that, that, that think about us when we develop these programs or we develop these, these codes, lines of code, then this may be, this is a gap, opportunity gap. And then as, as a community, we may be disenfranchised by, the, by what, what, what happens due to unconscious bias. So bringing more people to the table to actually have a collective mindset to say, okay, how can we all tackle this, this innovative situation together and then make the company a better place and make our communities um, and the roads much safer. So diversity plays a role not just how, how we look, but also how we think and what experiences we bring to the table. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Before I ask another question, is there a question in the room from anyone? If you have one, you can step to the mic. Don't be shy. Yeah, they won't bite. <laughs> we we we're mad easy. <laughs> I'm wearing my homecoming uh, sweater, so I'm, I'm in a good mood. Thank you. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> um, my question was more towards how you see pursuing higher level of education at Ford. So you said you started off as an internship, but now um, you have a doctorate. Um, so how, did, how was your process of starting off as an intern, getting that higher level education, and what does Ford do to help students who want to keep their position at Ford and pursue that level of education, or either you know, take a leave and pursue the education and come back? Okay. So I actually, I, when I hired into Ford, I actually had my master's. So master's, I don't know if I said that earlier, so I have a bachelor's in mechanical engineering, I have a master's in mechanical engineering and master's in manufacturing when I started at Ford. When at Ford, I was um, probably three years in, I decided I wanted to uh, complete the, the PhD process. Uh, so I went back to school with the blessing of my supervisor at the time. So we kind of, PhD is a little different in kind of your approach because it's a bit of a more of a relationship between you, a university and, and your immediate supervisor. So we worked through the whole thing. We sat down, we mapped out a plan for how we get it done, how we'd pay for it. So Ford has um, STAP, which is a, is a um, tuition, salary tuition assistance program. So it helps to pay for coursework in that uh, for the PhD. Um, we also have a lot of partnerships with universities like Wayne State, Shrine Mercy, University of Michigan Dearborn um, that actively have programs set up that, that work well with someone who's working full-time. So courses tend to be offered later in the evening um, and are all covered through the, the tuition assistance program. So uh, I think a lot of folks are doing that. So um, mine was just that I came in with the master's and then worked on the PhD. And it was about three and a half years it took me, but I was very aggressive and <laughs> yeah. uh, in my uh, desire to get done very quickly. So I hope that answers your question. I could say, I'd just like to say, in general, you should beware of a company, of a technology company that does not embrace continuous learning and development and education. So in a technology company, it goes without saying, technology evolves and changes, and so do the technologists. So if you go to a company and they aren't talking or offering higher education opportunities, beware. And to, to speak on that very directly, literally just this week, 
um, I was approached by my, my, my management saying, hey, there's some opportunities coming up in the pipeline and we want you to actually pursue a master's in, in product development because there's a new program that, be, well, so existing programs are gonna be catered to what I'm doing. And like, hey, we want you to pursue your career here at Ford, but also expand on your technology base and your technology acumen. So she's correctly, she's precise on that one. Mm -hmm. The last thing I will add, though, and I, you know, I have a master's in mechanical engineering as well, and I'm doing diversity and inclusion for the company, right? So having those cross, you know, uh, skills, um, skill team assignments are very important to you because they help you develop. So it's both, right? You need to have the education that you need, but you also need to be able to jump uh, to different skill teams and develop that way as well. Absolutely. All right. Any other questions in the room right now? Yay. There you go. Yay. <laughs> oh. Uh, well. oh. Oh. Come so on you. up. Come on up. Yeah. You guys, form a cue. Yeah. <laughs> form a cue. Form a cue. So for those who didn't hear her question, because I think the mic might be a little low, um, she said, what else is Ford doing to promote diversity that was not displayed or shown in the video? Right? Is that your question? Okay. Um, actually, we, um, we're in the midst of a culture transformation right now. Um, so you'll hear about our truth. So there's, um, a, you know, a, a different way of doing things like within Ford, because we completely acknowledge that it's not just about bringing diversity within the company, but it's creating a culture of inclusion so that when you come in, you can develop within. So that's one big thing that we're doing. The other one is we continue to pursue um, different uh, ways of recruiting diverse uh, candidates and bringing them into the company. So. We're here today, for example, but we go to NSVE, we go to SHIP, you know, there's uh, professional organizations that we work with that we're very, have strong partnerships with them because we truly believe that, that uh, the building a diverse, diverse pipeline is uh, critical, not just for Ford, right? But this is a societal issue. So if we don't all work together to create that diverse pipeline that we will need um, or that we need today, um, then we're, we're falling short. Um, the other thing that we're doing within Ford is we're being really transparent about where we're at. So I think the, the first step of actually understanding um, what you need is, is being transparent with yourself and understand what the, you know, what the, where the gaps are. And so um, we understand um, that we need to do more and uh, we're, t we're creating a strategy, we're working in our people's strategy right now that it's based on um, you know, the uh, 2030 strategy for the company. And through there, we know that um, we don't even have, um, you know, half of the employee base that we will need by 2030. And the skills and the capabilities that we need, right? So we're working on that. We're looking um, not just to build that, but um, to make sure that within the company, we're building those skills with the employees that we have. Does that answer your question? One other thing to add, you, you said unique. So I was thinking what might be unique. Um, and one of the things I remember when I joined Ford that wasn't common was we have these employee resource mm. groups. Yeah. And uh, Claudia talked about inclusion and I think that's the manifestation of inclusion where if you're LGTB, if you are Christian, whatever your religion is, whatever your race is. I don't know how many we have, 100 or so. Plus, plus, plus. We have 11. Oh, we uh, have 11? Employee resources oh. groups, yes. <laughs> I thought we had a long, okay. But, but nonetheless, so you feel included, you do not feel excluded, you are a recognized group. People who, uh, you know, assimilate or like you join the group and we all celebrate together. We, yeah, I, I think that might be a bit on the unique side. Mm -hmm. You're listening to Lunch and Learn, a professional development seminar featuring Dr. Dominique Perry, Claudia Arana Sanchez, Dr. Nia Harrison, Joseph Bettahome, and Lucretia Williams. Brought to you by the Ford Motor Company and the Women of Color STEM Conference. Uniting women in STEM by continuing the press for progress. Be sure to check out our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Yeah, and 
I was just going to say, though, we also have a culture cabinet. Um, and so in a street team, right? So like through our culture transformation, um, we put together this group of 30, 33 individuals that are from different backgrounds, different levels. Uh, and this is a global one. So when they get together, there's people traveling from Europe, from China, from Austria, Australia, um, and they're all getting together to understand what is it that we're not seeing. You know, so we know that we don't know it all. And that's in itself, it's unique. <laughs> um, and uh, so when I said transparency, it's in all different ways, right? So not just looking at data, but also understanding that we need to hear from operations. We need to hear from, um, you know, those who may not be feeling included so that we can take the actions to create a better culture within. So to repeat the question, what challenges have you all faced as minority engineers? I'll start if you like. Um, so I'm, I'm originally from Guatemala, so you could hear I have an accent and I get stuck sometimes, right? So that in itself sometimes had represented a challenge where others would look at you and will dismiss you right away. Not just because you, you're a female or you're Hispanic, but also because you have an accent and you know, some people just don't have the patience for it. Um, so what, and that's not something that I can change, right? And even my kids sometimes like will bring it up and say, mom, you said that wrong, right? So, um, so that to me, it's been a challenge throughout my career. Um, but I will tell you though, it's, it's really um, not a barrier to me. Um, you know, I speak three languages. Mm. And so when I think about it though, it's I am able to communicate with more people than usually those who will lean into, you know, trying to understand what I'm saying and if not, um, and I feel as if they didn't get my point or they dismissed me, um, I will send an email to them, you know, and let them know what my thoughts were. And many times uh, people have come back to me and said, oh, okay, thank you for, you know, reinforcing your, your idea. It, it truly made sense. So it's not about the challenges that you face, but it's about how you, you know, face them. Um, and so never look at a challenge as something that will stop you from being successful. It's just one more thing that, you know, it'll, it'll make you stronger in the long way. I'll, I'll say it's, it's probably a challenge. It's not a challenge that I let slow me down in any way, but I would say I am female, as you can probably see, and a lot of what I do is in manufacturing. So um, especially in stamping community. Stamping in itself is a very... Um, low representation, I would say, of females in, in general. So uh, it's always interesting when I work on a project and I kind of look a little younger than I am. So what happens is I usually come in as the person from Ford and everyone's like, what is this 25-year-old person going to tell me about what I'm doing? And um, usually what happens is I can, I can almost see it. I can see it the way they speak to me. I can tell you know, it's like they're trying to dumb things down. And I'm like, really? I've been doing this 10 years. I know what I'm talking about. So uh, typically what I've always done is, is it's, you know, I've already prepared. I know what I know. I know what I want to do with this company. You know, if I come into another company, I've got my test plan laid out. I've, I've got the parameters that I want. Don't argue with me because you won't win. <laughs> and so... Um, you know, I'm very confident in what I say, how I present myself, and, and it usually, because it's, it's I, I always laugh because I'm like, did you do the math? I told you I've been at Ford 10 years or 15 years. I can't possibly be 25. You know, it's like, let's let's do the math. Um, <laughs> but what's funny is always, it, it, it doesn't take long as long as, you know, it's it's definitely how you present yourself uh, does play a big role in, in kind of overcoming some of those challenges. It usually doesn't take, more than a half an hour of interaction with me before all of that goes away. And now it's no longer about gender. It's no longer about age. It's just, what's the project? What do you want to get done? And then you start having these fun conversations about technology. And so everyone's on the same level playing field. I think I said in the video, you know, engineering, you know, when you're, when you know your stuff, it's hard for people to argue with it. Um, and, and there's just a level of respect that comes with that. But you have to be confident in yourself. You have to be confident in what you know. And um, just stay, stay strong. Everybody else? Yeah. <laughs> so I like to say my biggest challenge was my name. 
So my name is Lucretia. And so when I first started, um, and I'm straight from the crack of the hood, I had never heard of college all the way up through, <laughs> it's a long story. And so when I first started, I was embarrassed. You know, people were messing it up. They didn't know how to say it. Um, and it took me probably a couple of years before I turned that into my favor as opposed to against me. So a few things happened. I, I went home and I asked my dad, how'd I get this name, you know? So he was like, oh, I got it out of a comic book. I'm like, oh my God. Thanks, Dad. You know, and so, you know, I'm further depressed. I'm like, oh my goodness. So then I go to work one day and this guy comes up to me. He's like, hey, you ever heard of Lucretia? Lucretia's singing a song. I'm thinking to myself, no, I've not heard of that. Oh yeah, that was a jam song, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, oh, okay, not too bad. So then later on, someone comes up to me and they say, hey, you ever heard of Lucretia Borgia? I was like, no, I never heard of Lucretia Borgia. Who's that? So I go back in the day, there were encyclopedias. <laughs> so I go, I look it up, and um, she was the daughter of the first pope or something, killed all the family, long story. But anyway, I was like, oh, cool. So then I said, ah. So then I further looked it up found out it was Italian, and it meant rich rewards. Hey. So I said, look at there. Okay, so, <laughs> so, you know, it was this progression, and so now that I have come to accept my name, and even though my father first saw it in a comic book, it actually has quite a bit of heritage and richness to it. And so now I mention it all the time, and what's happened is at work, everybody knows me yep. because I am Lucretia. There are no others. That's exactly right. <laughs> so my, my story won't be as great as hers. I think. <laughs> uh, but that was, that was a, a, thank you for sharing that with us. I appreciate that. Uh, so I guess one of the things that I deal with as a, as a young engineer, um, I, I'm probably up until about a few months ago, I was the youngest person in my group. I moved around to maybe two or three groups, and each time I was the one that said, hey, teach me how to, how to use this new tool. And he's a millennial. Explain everything for your generation. Why do you got the Tide Pods kind of thing? Not, not really, but it's like a, you, you always have to be the ambassador for, for everyone as the young person. And also, some spaces you go into where you know you know your stuff. Like, te I'm technically competent. I, I, I know how to design these parts. I know the, the, the stress and the strain of it, and I can tell you everything with my eyes closed, but you walk into a room and you see someone, or a group of folks that are twice your age, has had more experience as an engineer than you've had alive. You sometimes are intimidated by that, and, and you, you hold your breath on things that you know that are wrong. You, you sometimes move with abatement because you're like, you know what, I don't want to stir the ship too much, but what I found is when people look to you for your opinion, um, sometimes you got to say, yeah, I'm young, but I, I know my stuff. And one thing Nia said in the video was about if you're, once, if you're technically competent, like if, if you know your stuff, you know the numbers, no one can argue against that. As a technical company, as Ford Motor Company is, everyone can have an opinion, but only there's one set of facts, and that's the data. If, if the data proves out what you're saying, then no one can ever argue against you. So now I, I take it with a, with a, a badge of honor, I guess. I, I, I can walk into a room. If I know my stuff, I can share with that. And, and now I have leaders and executives that look to me to give that opinion because now I can share a perspective that's not in the room. So now I bring something to the table that no one else has. Not saying that it's my youth, but it's my, my perspective. And um, with that, it's, it's, I, I turn a negative, at least in my eyes, to a positive. And now I get to teach everyone how to use a new CAD tool because they don't know how to do it. It's like, hey, let's call Joseph. So now I'm, net I'm networking with more people. I get to have inroads with different types of uh, management and leadership in the company. And now it's working out for me, I guess. I'm talking to you all about it. So. <laughs> <laughs> One thing, though, I will say is don't be a bystander. Mm -hmm. So if you actually see something like that happening to someone, uh, males, if you're in a room and there's only one female, make sure you allow her to say something by mm -hmm. saying, do you have any thoughts on this? Um, so be inclusive to those that, you know, it, it takes a skill to actually notice that when you walk into a room because privilege 
is invisible to those who have it, right? So make sure that your eyes are open when you walked into a room and then make sure that you bring those along with you. Awesome, that's a great comment. That's a question. Wonderful stories. Yeah. My name is Morgan. This might be a little bit negative, but I promise I don't intend it to be. What is one thing that you do not like about working for Ford? And if you don't want to say something that you dislike, what would you change the most about your experience working at Ford? All right, so we are talking about taking <laughs> negatives and positive. I, I, I can Just speak for days on this one topic, and no. that's one topic alone. <laughs> Have you been outside today or yesterday? I'm from Florida, born and raised, never seen snow a day in my life. If I could change anything about Ford, it'll be the location. Why are we in Southeast Michigan? Uh, and, and th 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 117 th th years. There's a brief of levity there, but in, in, in all honesty, when I got the phone call that I got the offer of Ford Motor Company, I was elated. I was like, man, this is going to be a great opportunity. Then I moved up here October 14th of 2014. October 20th, it snowed. And it was my first time ever seeing snow. And I was literally like, can I rescind this offer? I don't, <laughs> I literally don't want to be here anymore. A week later, there was a blizzard. Like the first week of November, my, my supervisor literally called me at 6 a.m. She says, Joseph, I understand you don't know how to drive in snow. Take the next three days off because the blizzard is not going to go anywhere. <laughs> and, and I'm literally at my desk at home putting a resume in to go like, I'm not, I'm going to Texas. I can't stay here anymore. But, but with that, uh, I connected with, with folks that understood my pain. And, and I moved up here with a jean jacket. So that's probably strike one. Um, so they, they, they showed me what to do. Like, how, how do you connect? Look, there's so many people in the, in the organization that's from different parts of the world, different parts of, of, of the industry. And it, it's a family. So it's the Ford family. But that doesn't just stop at Bill Ford and the likes. That, that, that tunnels down down to me. Everyone is ingratiating. They bring, so I know your question was more so the negative side, but the negative actually became a positive for me because the culture here at Ford, and, and we're undergoing cultural transformation, but in that transformation, the family portion of that transformation isn't going anywhere. Actually, I believe it's getting stronger because we're, we're inviting more perspectives to the table and to share their experiences so we can have a, a new culture, So we, what we call a C2 culture. So our, our experiences uh, dictate our, our beliefs, our dictates um, our action, our actions go to our results. So all that yields to our results. I say all that to say, the culture at Ford, they brought me in and like, you know what? What you're wearing ain't gonna work. <laughs> like, we're gonna get you right. We're gonna show you what you need to do. And then now your, your work schedule is flexible. You can work from home on those days where you just don't wanna get out of bed because it's 19 degrees outside. It's, the, the company is, is, is one that it, it, they bring, they understood that I'm not from here. And they made allowances for me to to get acclimated and also to perform. I think I'm gonna turn this into a positive as well. <laughs> I would say, if, if there's one thing I could say that I don't like, is that I don't, I don't like that people outside of Ford don't understand or appreciate or know how hard the people who work mm -hmm. at Ford work. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are people who give hours of their time beyond the whole eight hour clock, not because they have to, but because they want to, to deliver good products to the people. So it's kind of, I always look at the news and I say it's very short-sighted to say, you know, there's just big companies out there taking advantage of people. And I'm like, it's not, it's not that black and white, you know? There's a lot of good people who put in a lot of good hours, you know, every single day who are doing their best to deliver these products. And it's something you can't see from the outside, but within, you know, when you move around groups to groups, I think a lot of folks have a lot of experiences. It's just good people everywhere you go who are trying to do the right thing day in and day out. And that's something I wish we could better communicate externally. Um, but it, you know, if, they, if I could change one thing, it'd be, it would be that. So piggybacking on that, I would say the one thing is similar. It is the work hours, but that goes with, um, I sometimes am discouraged that people don't give auto industry in general uh, the credit for the amount of technical marvel in the product. People don't even get it. And it's not until you work here, this thing is like nothing. This is one of 10,000 
pieces or parts that we deliver. We have scientists, we have PhDs, we have technical people. And the culture transformation is really a, a confidence booster for all of these smart people who risk their livelihood. They come to this Dearborn, uh, to this ice box, um, because, so because ultimately this is true technology um, and you can't imagine, and it's also regulated technology. Mm -hmm. It's very expensive. It does take years. We are not going to flip around um, iPhone 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 every year. Uh, but because of that, we feel bad. And that's the culture transformation is you've got the marble of scientists right here who feel bad. That's a problem. So, um, so I get discouraged by that. So I tell engineers at Ford, this is the best time to be an engineer at Ford. This is your moment. Never feel bad that you don't work for Google or you don't work for Apple because what you bring to the table is three, four, five, ten, twelve times, and they're all learning from us. Mm -hmm. And because we were so busy making cars, uh, you know, we were like, oh, that's right. Yeah, we know about that analytic thing. Oh, but you're gonna do it. Okay, go ahead. And the next thing you know, you know, I mean, it's that sort of thing. Oh yeah, we know about algorithms and modeling and, and you know, yeah, that's how we run our powertrain, big, big data. It's like, yeah. oh yeah. Oh, you, you wanna do a drone or something? Yeah, we, we know how to, <laughs> we know how to but, but you know, we know how to do propulsion systems. Uh, there's just so much. And you don't know it until you're inside and you don't appreciate it until you're inside. And I'm with Nia that it's hard when you don't get that positive feedback from you know the you know the folks. So. So now that you know, you got to share. So now you know. Each one, each yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So one of the things uh, that came up during the video was this community component. I know that all of you kind of spoke about it in your own ways, but what are some things that you've done personally or with even within your Ford team to give back to the next generation coming in? How have you inspired young people to get excited about engineering? So, well, young people in engineering, two, I think it's two questions. So one is community and then one is young people engineering. Um, I, I lead the recruiting team for the National Society of Black Engineers. And through that activity, uh, we do um, annual events, either in the fall regional conferences or the national scale. And we're always going out uh, every year and trying to recruit and bring in the brightest minds into Ford through the, that organization. Um, as part of that organization, there's also a STEM component. So we also try to give back when we can uh, to any of the STEM activities that are going on uh, at the events as well. So uh, similar to this event, we'll do something like this uh, in that uh, forum as well. Um, I do wanna actually talk a little bit more about the, the, the kind of greater community. Um, one of the activities that's near and dear to me at Ford is I actually participate in Race for the Cure. Mm -hmm. um, it's one of the the, organ, the participation level items that you know Ford gets involved with. That's near and dear to my heart. You know, my mother had breast cancer. My grandmother had breast cancer, and so Ford is one of the largest teams that we have at the annual uh, Detroit uh, Coleman uh, Cancer kind of run in in May. So. That's one of the things that I do. So I support the team, you know, whether it's helping with raffles, setting up tables, giving out chairs, um, helping to register folks. That's kind of one of the things, my extra activities that I do, um, just that's community oriented that Ford is involved in. Um, I'm a believer of education and I'm a huge advocate of it. And so um, through the Ford Hispanic Network, we have uh, different uh, uh, activities that we do with local high schools and so we bring in a team that will do either like um, an egg crash um, so it's a half a day where we talk to them about the skills of designing a vehicle to withstand the the crash and so we give all of those who still have their egg at the end um, you know prices and all um, but outside of it, I do uh, teach GED classes to those who, you know, were not able to uh, graduate from high school. And I also help do uh, citizenship or um, uh, papers, you know, for those who do not have the money to pay for it. So um, in the video, you've probably seen that service is really, really important to me. Um, and 
I think I love, another reason why I love Ford is Ford brings service to us as, as, as employees. So um, we're allocated hours for vacation, we're allocated hours to be sick, and we're also allocated hours to go and work in our community. So we're given, um, I think 16 hours, if I'm not mistaken, 16 hours annually to actually get paid to go and pack food at the food bank or to go feed the homeless or to go clean up a school um, in a local Detroit area or to go mentor some students actually in school doing your work day. Ford invests in us so we can invest in the community. So that, that's something that, that I really appreciate because community service is, is near and dear to me. Um, so that's, that's what well, I love. You were part of the 30, under 30. Can you mention that program? Okay, just... so I never like to tout it. Okay, so yes, <laughs> um, I was the 2018 cohort of Ford 30 under 30 program um, where um, Bill Ford um, and, and a team of folks uh, select 30 individuals in the organization uh, that are under 30, of course, that are excelling in our careers, but also have a passion for community service. Um, Bill Ford is very philanthropic. Um, if, if, you, if you look up the, just the Ford and the Ford Foundation, he doesn't chair the foundation, but he plays a large role in that. Um, he wanted to partner um, us with nonprofits in the local uh, southwest, um, Mich southeast Michigan area, um, and also in Canada, and now we have a team that's in Mexico, where we take five individuals per team and we partner us with a nonprofit organization in our community. So my year, we focus on homelessness. So homelessness was always something big to, big to me. In the video, you saw that I get my friends together probably once a quarter and we go out and we prepare food um, with, with our college sweaters on and then we go out to the community and we give back. So I partner with CAS Community Social Service. It's a, 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 a nonprofit here in Detroit. And we came up with a, a solution to help them uh, stem homelessness. I don't know if you've heard of Tiny Homes, um, but Ford is a sponsor of Tiny Homes. So we actually built Tiny Homes in Detroit. So there's a, a community of 25 homes in Detroit where we painstakingly, I got the blisters still today, but we built those homes. So it's a great opportunity. If you're interested in that um, and you want to join the organization, I can tell you more about that offline. Good afternoon. My name is Nashka. I just had a question. So regarding your company, your name is Ms. Williams, right? Last name Williams, right? Yes. Okay. So you were talking about um, the engineers and basically the credit that you guys don't really get towards making the cars. Um, but I had a question towards sustainability because I, I think I heard you talking about sustainability. So when it comes to sustainability and making the cars, what in what field, who's working on it? Is it the environmental science engineers or just regular environmental scientists? And how do you compare your, your thoughts on making your cars better towards our environment, our ecosystem to other car companies? Okay, I would say sustainability is everywhere. Everything we do, we do with a sustainable paradigm. Uh, yes, we have environmental scientists. Uh, yes, we have people who um, who are in, let's say, the product development side, who when they're making a product, let's call it a seat, um, they are paying attention to the sustainability, the choice of materials, um, the choice of colors even, all matter. So I think it's everywhere, even if you are um, I, I don't know. It's everywhere. It's hard to describe it. Uh, I will just, do you, do you mind? Um, yeah, yeah. So I did work um, in sustainability in the past. Mm -hmm. uh, from the environmental point of view, I will tell you, um, we are looking into using uh, portable water for um, uh, human consumption only, for example, in our plants. Uh, so the vehicles that we are assembling and building um, do not have the, uh, a negative environmental impact. Um, we're also looking into, or actually we have many facilities around the world that are zero waste landfill. Um, so we're not you know, sending any waste um, onto the landfills. Uh, we're looking into how do we reduce energy, um, making green vehicles and reducing CO2 emissions, for example. Um, what you were mentioning though, it's actually using sustainability sustainable materials when you're developing car seats or even like the fillers like within the vehicle. So an example will be um, we partner with uh, Tequila Cuervo. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you know, but we utilize all the waste from the agave on the making of the tequila as a fiber for uh, um, seats that we're building for even the models that you're driving today. Okay, that's 
because I think a lot of people don't know and don't feel like car companies care about sustainability or the environment. We do. So that's, I know, a challenge people face with your companies, even though a lot of people need cars. But that's like a really, a really big concern now, you know, in, in our society. But thank you for investing. And, and Ford was one of the first companies to actually have a sustainability report. So yeah, we publish that, yeah. every year where we are, good or bad. We put it out there. And the intention is to get better year over year. Um, I'm just working with the EOQ, which is our environmental group. In, and the goal going forward is not only to be neutral, but to be net positive. That means that we're giving back more than what we're consuming. So that is actually the, the, the direction and vision of the Ford with respect to sustainability. But we're, we're getting there through all the items that um, Claudia time. mentioned. But yes, but the things that Claudia mentioned, renewable, um, smart use of tiered water is what they call it. So yes. All right, thank you, ladies. I think we have time for one more question. Yeah. Hi, my name is Bernice. I also work for a big bad company. We can do much better to change people's perception as well. My question though is going back internally and I believe you guys have all done very well in your careers. So how do you break silos? Let's say, and I'll use the four products, right? Like if you have engineers working on Mustang versus for Fiesta, like is there cross-pollination? Where I'm coming from my company, sometimes I feel that the product I support is not the flashy, cool product, although it's important. Uh, and so the people who are working on the flashy product, sometimes they look down like, why would I spend time with you? What do you mm. have to offer to me? Because I know it all, I am super flashy, and you just keep doing what you're doing. Mm -hmm. So how do you guys cross-pollinate better? If, if that's happening in your company. Mm -hmm. That's why I didn't mention where I work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd like to take this. So in, um, um, so at least at Ford Motor Company, every product or service has a role to play. Every single one is important. It's like your mom, you have kids, you have five kids. Every single one is important. They're different, right? But they're all important. So in planning and strategy, we build the whole portfolio. Every single thing in that portfolio fought its way in. It battled its way in. And the reason it got in is because it was important to play the role that it's supposed to play. So the idea here is everyone, no matter what product, what program you're working on, should take pride in whatever it is you're working on because it has an important role to play. And I think what we try to do is we try to communicate what is the role, like why are you important? Maybe you're not the profit generator, maybe you're the sustainability uh, credit, we pay credits to the government, maybe you're the sustainability credit generator without which I couldn't even sell the flashy product. Mm -hmm. So I think the, the smaller products who aren't all about the flash or the revenue, they're fully confident in why they exist. And so the, I don't, and I haven't experienced uh, what, what you brought up there. I think there is very good cross-pollination and we move around quite a bit too and that helps. And uh, in, in my role um, as, as a product development engineer, um, we're moving to a strategy where we're becoming more modular. So products that we may use on one particular vehicle can cross-pollinate to other vehicles. So I get to develop pro uh, products that we can scale up or scale down depending on the application. So if I'm making a product for our Ford EcoSport, how can I scale that part to be applicable to maybe our next generation navigator? Those are very large vehicles versus a very small vehicle, but the same engineering is required. The, the, the same technology is required, but how can we apply the lessons learned from one program and, and, and give it to another? That way we as a company can reduce our waste. We won't have as many um, non-reusable parts, so we can plug and play. Like how, where to play and how to win is a strategy that, that, that we hear a lot internally in the company. So how can we take lessons learned from this group, the flasher group, the one that's making the $100,000 vehicle that everyone loves to see on the road versus the one that we're selling just in South America because they need access to reliable transportation, but we're not really making any money off of that besides just helping them get to from point A to point B. So that's, 
applying the technologies from this high-end vehicle and, and bringing it down to scale and say, how can we make this work for these people and, and, and leveraging those lessons learned? I was just gonna say from the human-centered focus, um, I would just say, um, what is it that is making you feel like that? So you, you made a comment about, well, they're making the flashy vehicles and they don't really listen to us. So to me, there's more than just the products. Um, to me is uh, how are, how's your company developing the employees and what opportunities are they being provided? Because whether you like it or not, sometimes those vehicles that are flashier get the most exposure, right? And so how do we make sure, um, and it comes back to your culture, right? What type of culture are you building where you're providing opportunities to all employees to feel they actually have an impact um, and that they're part of you know, the different solutions and designs that the company are building? All right, everyone, so that wraps up our panel discussion for this afternoon. We want to thank you for joining the Ford family today as we've had a conversation about the day in the life of engineers. Thank you to our wonderful panelists today. They've been awesome. Um, if you haven't had the chance, oh, I think our swag table looks a little empty, but you can get the remainder of whatever's over on they the swag table. Yeah, I think everybody <laughs> took it all. Um, we hope that you've enjoyed your lunch, and I hope that you enjoy the rest of the conference. Thank you so much. And thanks to our moderator. Thank you. She was amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Lunch and Learn, a professional development seminar presented by Ford Motor Company, featuring Dr. Dominique Perry, Claudia Arana Sanchez, Dr. Nia Harrison, Joseph Bettahome, and Lucretia Williams. If you have enjoyed this presentation, be sure to attend the Women of Color STEM Conference. For more information on how you, your company, or organization can take part, visit www.womenofcolor.net. For college students, contact us at 410-244-7100. Zero one.